The Gray Reality of Dick is a vehicle for discussing love, loss, and identity for writer David Orion Pena, creator of Dos After You. Join us for our interview right here on Radio Drama Revival. Hello, and welcome to Radio Drama Revival, the podcast that showcases the diversity and vitality of modern audio fiction. I'm your host, Elena Fernandez-Collins. Today, we are joined by David Orion Pena, creator and writer of Dos After You and voice of Dick. Dos is a queer horror love story of sorts. The bloody, deathly kind of love and the unbearable reality of being seen. David is a transgender, bisexual author and counselor from Madrid who has always been a fan of deeply realistic and intense stories. The transition to horror seemed a natural one, especially with its links to queer history. The play between love, fear, and death in a raw, catastrophic ways is core to Deck's storyline. In an interview with Salt and Sage Books, David said he wanted to have, quote, a horror thriller story where trans people are morally great characters that survive this world as they can and love, long, and look for something, while being trans is just another part of their already complex lives. End quote. You know us here at Radio Drama Revival. We live for complicated representation because queer folks have facets, variations, and flaws because queer people are human. Please be aware that the following interview contains discussions of transphobia and transphobic violence, murder and morality, and the current political social environment in Spain. So, David, thank you so much for coming on to uh, Radio Drama Revival to talk with us about Dos After You. Um, we're really excited to have you here and to just talk about all things just like trans antiheroes and morally great characters and... All of that good stuff that Dos, uh, Dos is all about. Gracias. <laughs> a mí me encanta Dos, right? Because it's it's such a good um, example of uh, lo que podemos hacer con audio para poder eh, encontrarnos los cuentos en inglés y en español, right? English and Spanish. Like, it's just... I don't see it a lot. <laughs> yeah. And I'm really, I'm really glad that we have it and not only that it's that that we have it but that dos is doing something with queerness and transness right and that's so algo que especialmente eh, en español para, para mí yo no lo encuentro mucho verdad yeah it, it was something that i felt that it was uh, like missing a lot because you know like you see mm -hmm. the audio drama um offer and I don't know, like, I started with Welcome to Nightville. <laughs> like, who a lot did of it, people. Right? Well, <laughs> who didn't? Yeah. And then you see, like, <laughs> there's a lot of queer stories here, but I cannot hear anything in Spanish. And mm -hmm. I know there's a lot of people doing fiction and audio drama in Latin America, like in Mexico and mm -hmm. in other places. But I couldn't see anything from Spain. And there's, like, no indie scene in Spain, like, like there's hardly something there yeah so i was just like well you know like if you cannot find it you have to do it um we were in a pandemic so i had time i had a mic uh, <laughs> and that's that's basically what happened 
<laughs> we were in a pan. We were in a pandemic, and uh, well, we had some time on our hands. Um. <laughs> like a lot of people during a pandemic, like some people started knitting. Uh, some people, I don't know. I, I was just like, well, let's make a podcast. <laughs> <That's-> <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that sounds about right. <laughs> And of course, like the even um, like the stuff that I see coming out of or that I hear rather coming out of of Latin America that's that's indie. Um, I, I don't see a lot of queer stories, and we'll get into that, right? But that's definitely yeah. a product of cultural reprisal. Um, so, like before we we get deeper into all of this stuff, um, let's set the stage for for some of our audience here. Um, so your uh, your bio indicates your your background in psychology as well as editing and storytelling. So what has been your work and your focus of study in psychology and how has it impacted how you write horror? Well, I actually started uh, the degree in psychology because I wanted to be a better writer. So <laughs> that's like, that's not a strange um, nice. Not a strange motivation because I've seen it also outside of myself. But mm-hmm. then I got really into, I don't know, like I've been also feeling lately that if I hadn't gone into psychology, I'm probably going to, uh, like I probably would have ended up in, philo- in philosophy because it's just like my kind of thing. I, I just hear about, <laughs> yeah, it's just like I'm here about the thinking and about the what are we, How, why do we, behave mm-hmm. uh the way we behave and i don't know those kind of fundamental questions i'm just like that kind of person um so i was really interested yeah, I, have a, I have a minor in psycho in philosophy i can't <laughs> you can relate I, can't <laughs> I can i can relate and i i can't i can't throw stones here <laughs> good good no but uh i was really interested in social psychology like uh how the society works and how that affects and it's interesting because at first when I, when I got into the degree uh the thing that I had like more clear was like I'm not gonna end up as a clinical psychologist you know like like a proper quote-unquote psychologist mm-hmm. that you go to to do therapy um I don't know life changes a lot and that's what I'm doing actually now so <laughs> Oh, what a surprise! Okay. Yeah, yeah, like the reason the second season of those isn't out there yet is because I have a full time job as kind of like like working in clinical psychology, not yet as a clinical psychologist, but just in that field, and and I don't have the time. But um, yeah, no, felicidades. (laughs) Gracias. I just wish I had a little bit more time to write, but eh, I get there. Yes. Um, so I was really interested uh, in in sexuality, in gender, in society. I came out uh, first as bisexual and then as, and then as a trans man during the degree. So wow, yeah, it was it was like the degree. Like my studies were half the time for self discovery and the other half to actually learn something. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That sounds familiar. That, that's kind of definitely the... not an experience shared by anyone else on this call. No, no. <laughs> <laughs> it's it's for a lot of queer people. It's a uni experience, more or less. <laughs> yeah. um, more so if you've been all your life in the same school, Catholic school, rain check on that. So, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, how has that affected? I was actually not into horror uh, for a long time. I've always liked psychological horror movies. I don't know, like it came to my, like 
comes to mind. Well, my favorite movie is Interview with a Vampire. Oh, that's a great movie. <laughs> so I've always been kind of interested, and I read uh, the Anne Rice books also like at 12 or 13. I was pretty emo in my adolescence. So, <laughs> so like, I, I there was there some some interest, but I was still a little bit afraid of quote-unquote horror. Um, and then I just tried it. I I discovered it a little bit more. I'm still very firm on, of, like, I really like psychological horror more than... I, I also appreciate and I like gore and I like... I think the thing that I like least is a slasher, like mm-hmm. a, a slasher movies because... I don't see the point <laughs> of them. It's just like, okay, I, okay, you're here for the thrill, but that's it. It's just like you can just bet on who's gonna die first. I, I don't know. It's not. It's not. It's, it's not that usually funny. the black man. Yeah. Anyway. Exactly. Exactly. It's like, and and also like, if someone is slightly queer coded, you know, they're also gonna be first. So it's just like it's that's not right. fun. It's not fun, but but yeah, I I slowly got into horror probably because I also have a big fascination with uh, with death. Um, I always say it's because I'm a Scorpio, but eh, it can be a lot of things. <laughs> <laughs> I can be I can be pretty stereotypical when <laughs> when talking about astrology. Just like yeah, I'm a Scorpio. I'm, a, I'm a, one of the good ones, but I'm very Scorpio. So so yeah, I, I started writing a little bit more seriously two, three years ago. And I slowly realized that I wanted to do horror things. Um, And that's how I came with those. And it's pretty interesting because also if you go to listen to those, the show kind of starts like also talking in the background about society, but it's slowly and more so in the second season, we'll be talking about family, which is uh, nowadays my psychology obsession. Like I'm really studying fields that try to explain or not explain, but give context to who we are because of how we live the first years of our life and how we transition from that first group of interaction to the outside. And if that was traumatic or well, less or more. Um, so that's <laughs> my big interest now. Uh, family dynamics are just like, you know, like my jam right now. So that's that's going to come in hand later in the show. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I I love when... Um, I love when you can clearly tell uh, when writers are... When their work or their fields of study or research that they've done has really influenced, um, influenced their writings. I think that that's really cool. Um, I also really enjoy like a focus shift in... Uh, I think I'll really enjoy a focus shift in index. In um, las palabras de Dick, cuando yeah. está, when he's talking, um, going from society to to family, kind of like an in- inward kind of thing. I think that that sounds very cool. Um, so a lot, a lot of horror, um, a lot of horror relies on um, on mental illness. Uh, especially highly stigmatized um, mood and personality disorders as the explanation for people's villainy, right? Hmm. Um, what's, um, what do you, what, what are your thoughts on this? And how do you, how were you thinking about that when you were writing Dex monologues here in this first season? 
Well, I, it's interesting because I will have never thought about, and I haven't, like, diagnosed, quote-unquote, neither, like, Deck or Seal or any other characters. Um, the way it came around, it's before I had, like, this specific interest the way that I have now. It's like I kind of explain how Deck is and how Seal and other characters are because of their... Um, mostly what happened to them when they were little. Like, you you know, like there's also like this mm-hmm. big thing in psychology, you know, like, okay, you were uh, abused, you were uh, like people treat you badly, you were bullied in school or even at home. So that makes you who you are. It's like, okay, there, there's a fine line. Obviously it will affect you, but um, you can, like you can do something with that. You can get help. And there's a point of break where you can, reconstruct yourself from there like that's not definitive but it's gonna Mm -hmm. like understanding that it's gonna help you understand yourself why you have Mm -hmm. coping mechanisms that are actually not useful but had been useful but not anymore you know and like (laughs) even if if i had to say something maybe i would say like um take has a little bit of adhd probably well a bit quite probably quite a lot um that's, uh, that's, yeah, that's the only thing that I would maybe, maybe say, but, uh, obviously there's a lot of, uh, stigma there. There's a lot of stigmatization, um, but, uh, it was never for me a focus. It was more like, uh, I was really interested on why they, um, has a job that he has. Uh, well, obviously, obviously you can say, yeah, Dick is a psychopath. Yeah. Yeah. He's a little bit of a psychopath. He is. Um, that's fine. Social relationships are hard for him. And well, he found something he was really good at. He didn't have any problem doing that. It gave him money. He did it. That's it. You know, like there's, there's obviously worse jobs in the world. Uh, so... (laughs) Jeff Bezos, we're looking at you. Exactly. Exactly. At, At least... Deck is honest, you know, it's like, this is what I do. That's it. <laughs> um, so, yeah, um, that, that that's that's a pretty big thing. But I w- was never thinking about, like, like mental illness as, as it is was mm-hmm. never in my mind. It was just like, well, this, this person, like, these characters had been, uh, had been hurt and they have to learn to... There's, there's, there has to be a lot more with the trans experience. With also like, like you have to navigate the world, a world that doesn't want you, that mm-hmm. you feel don't fit, and you have to kind of make your space for it. And that sometimes mean also like in the same way that sometimes okay you're a psychopath or you have these traits. You know, you 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 because I don't really like also like you're a psychopath. It's just like okay, your personality or you have these tendencies or you have a lack of empathy of empathy, and that's it. Um, so how do you travel the world with that on your backpack? Um, mm-hmm. Because a little bit more than psychology, my heaviest uh, influence for those was. Pretty obviously, my favorite show, which is Hannibal <laughs> by, by Brian Fuller. Because my, my whole mindset was like, I want this, but I want this to be fully gay and fully trans. So we don't see very many trans villains, anti-heroes, or morally great characters that are not written with 
transness as their defining feature, linking transhood with evil, right? Or at best, moral ineptitude. Um, talk to me about this line that you're walking in thus and why you've chosen to do this, to write and tell this kind of story. Why is this important to you? Well, first of all, obviously, because I'm a trans man, um, I just mm-hmm. wanted to... It's just like I've, I have not seen that, and I want that representation. I want that kind of story. I've, uh, as many queer persons, I'm a little bit obsessed with villains and antagonists because, and antiheroes because that's the role we've been relegated to for decades. So, mm-hmm. like, who we've been, like, like I don't know, who are you feeling sync with when when you when you watch the show. And I'm just kind of tired of trying to project myself on this cisgender man experience because that's not my experience. So, and I'm also like, I'm a big product of super hulog Tumblr era. (laughs) So I knew it. I knew it. As soon as you told me that Hannibal was your favorite show and like, I knew that this was influenced by Hannibal and by Killing Eve because you've talked about it. I knew it. I was sitting here. I was like, this is super hulog Tumblr, isn't it? Yeah, feel the vibes. Yeah. Don't worry, I was around for that era as well. I I, I was I was pretty. So I'm just like <laughs> so tired of queer baiting. Like I've yep. had enough of my plate of queer baiting, and I'm like I'm never doing it. Like if I have to do something, I'm gonna be explicit. Like um, I wrote well, I coordinated and wrote a, a short story for a trans horror anthology uh, here in Spain in Spanish and in the presentation actually one of the things that I said was that like people ask me like uh, what do you usually write about and it was like I don't even usually write about horror lately I do but mostly what I do is write about uh, in, Sp- in Spanish, it's more funny because I don't know like what's a proper word in in in, in English. But like I, I said, like yeah, I said like yo es que solo escribo sobre maricones. En plan, escribo maricones. That's it. <laughs> yeah, it is much funnier in Spanish, right? Because I yeah. mean, the translation. I mean, it's just like like if I like I, I write about I write about the gays, right? Yeah, like, but, but, but but like maricones, but like. The, the word that used to be an insult and now it's yeah. like full or word, you know, like I'm, I'm never call myself gay. I'm just like, no, I'm maricon. That's it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, like, yeah, like it, it has it, it's one of these reclaimed power, like cultural words by this point. Yeah. Yeah. Um, that's hilarious, by the way. That's an incredible answer. <laughs> so, so yeah, so that's it. And, yes, if, it is. <laughs> and if I write girls, they're most of the time sapphic and trans also. So it's like. Like, you can try to ask me, like, why can't you write cisgender characters? And it's like, no, I can, but they're going to be like a minority in my, <laughs> <laughs> in my series. And that's Aquí it. Está el estereotipo, el yeah. cis, el cis hombre. De and, nada. Like, the, the, the other day I wrote, like, I read a quote that was fantastic. It's like, from now on, if I read something and there's no LGBTQ people in it, I'm going to consider it science fiction. And I was like, yes. Nice. It's amazing. <laughs> I was like, that's that's my experience. <laughs> <laughs> that's a mood. So, so yeah, like, like I, I think, like, maybe those was just, like, quote-unquote, my, my villain origin story. Like, you have never given me this, so I'm going to create it. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I felt it was important. And I knew from the beginning, this is going to be a really niche 
uh, content. And I'm okay with that. Like, it's either I make it too specific and kind of mostly for myself and my friends. Because also, like, my friends who are also my voice actors are probably the ones that are pushing me more, like, when are we going to have, like, more things? Like, the voice actors for nice. Bre and Natura, which are, like, one of my best friends and my boyfriend, are just, like, I need more. And it's like, okay, I'm trying. I'm working on it. <laughs> I'm working on it, please. <laughs> You can't rush genius. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> you mentioned this thing about like the the roles that that trans people have been uh pushed into. Hmm. Yes, in society. Very fun. We love it. Um one of the side effects um of like the lack of this honest, more exploratory, like trans anti-hero representation right, is a common complaint that presenting trans people in this way as monstrous or villainous or dangerous, something that is, like, historically accurate and important and valuable, um, is inherently transphobic or, quote-unquote, problematic. Um, (laughs) How would you respond to this line of thought? Um, I will never call myself not problematic. (laughs) Like... I've done bad things. Uh, like, I've done really bad things. Uh, I have not been a good person. So I don't have a problem calling my, myself problematic because everyone is, was, and will be at what point problematic. And I can understand people like, we don't need this kind of representation. It's like, I'm really happy with people creating trans characters in a happy flower way. You know, like, that's cool. But uh, it's not going to be full representation until we also have, like, the ugly side of that. You know, like, and 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 we don't always have to be the soft, uwu, trans boy tumbler. Because I'm so tired Thank of that. You. Like, <laughs> like, I thought that was going to be me when I transitioned. And then I became an otter. And I was like... Okay, I have to be fine with that because that's I don't know that that's how it is, and um, and I'm also like I don't wanna cancel or like like um, negar uh, the experience of well some people like to hurt other people, and that's not bad as well as you try to reformulate that in a way I, I, I don't know like like that doesn't make you a bad person it makes you because I also don't believe also from a psychological point of view in good and bad people it's just like you do good and bad actions and obviously if you keep doing bad actions uh, you're gonna end up at a point that that's the only thing you know how to do and you're in too deep and you uh, and, and change at that point is super hard so obviously people are gonna consider you a bad person The teams at Dos After You and Radio Drama Revival would like to ask you to consider donating to Apoyo Positivo, a mainly Madrid-based community resource program designed in 1993 to support people living with HIV. They provide sexual and mental health resources and education, as well as supporting, educating on, and preventing the infringement of reproductive and sexual rights. You can donate at apoyopositivo.org slash colabora slash as donativo. The link is in our episode description. Let's talk about faith. Um, 
So Seal is a god, hmm. um, <laughs> right? Uh, and and uh, Deck is the killer who fell in love with him. Yes. Um, it's a strangling, bloody kind of faith that we hear in these first episodes. Um, what are the lines here, if there are lines, between faith and love and even perhaps um, organized religion, right? For me, there's no faith without love. And even when I when I work, like, uh, my... I, my day-to-day job, like my full-time job right now, I work at, at Eating Disorders uh, Mental Health Center where, like, the girls, mostly the girls and the women that I have there are, like, in, like they live there 24 hours. So it's, like, critical situations, mm-hmm. you know? Like, it's not like the hospital or daycare. It's just, it's like they, they are ingresadas. They, they, they live there. Mm-hmm. Um Sometimes what I th- what I what I told them is that uh, to try to get out of something like that, or that mostly like eating disorders, it's like you have to take a leap of faith that you can you can be better. Like you you can, but but be better in the sense that you can have a good life. You can get out of this. Mm-hmm. In the same sense, like some of them struggle with social relationships. And it's like, but I don't trust people. And I always tell them because trust is actually having faith in others. Like you yep. have to believe that if you fall, they're going to catch you. And obviously you've had experiences that that's had not happened, like that people has have let you down. And that's still going to happen in your life. Like there's no denying that that will still happen. Like myself, I had to struggle at 26 year old. <laughs> I got this year <laughs> with my whole ex group of friends. Most most of them like just basically doing me like uh, giving me the, the silent treatment, like going really back to high school, um, isolating me. How? What year is it? <laughs> exactly. It's like it's like I didn't even have to deal with this in high school. Maybe that's why I have to deal this with uh, with this as a young adult. But it's like that will still happen. Um, you know, because people, uh, as, as you learn, as you, uh, when you grow, adults don't have their shit together. So Nope. It's all a lie. It's all it's a, a lie. lie. The capitalism fed you. Exactly. <laughs> so that, that, that happens that you're going to end up in situations like that. So that's a leap of faith. Trusting in other people is a leap, uh, is a leap of faith and love. I think it's one of the biggest, uh, leaps of faith you can't, you can't take because you are, going to be vulnerable and you're going to open up to this person or persons and you have to trust they're not going to use this information against you. They're not going to hurt you with this information. Uh, they're not going to manipulate you because they know what hurts you. Uh, so that's a big leap of faith. And so, sure. so I don't know. I think, I think it's interesting that I chose uh, Deck and Seal and I decided that, well, Actually, like the, the story started with Seal and then Dick came into view. And because, I don't know, I wanted to explore a little bit like what if someone falls in love with Seal, being him the kind of God that he is. Mm-hmm. Um, what what does that make to a person? And also because I Dick is a way, Dick is problematic, quote unquote, because no normal person would fall in love with Seal. 
that's it. Like, I'm very sorry. I, I, I know, I know, like, people listen to those, and I remember, like, the polls we, we did, and, like, Seal had only been mentioned uh, uh, in this, like, in, in the whole show, and it was the people's favorite character, and I was like, how? Like, you don't even know him. Like, you, but you know about him through Dex. And obviously, the piece that Dex has about Seal is so lovely, with mm -hmm. all its bloody pits, that it's really mm -hmm. difficult not to like Seal. But not everyone will fall in love with Seal and could actually be in a relationship with him because, first of all, he's a god, and second of all, <laughs> what kind of god he is? Like yeah. you, your your moral and your ethic has not like cannot be. A decent quote unquote one. And you have to be problematic to fall in love with Sil, I'm sorry. <laughs> uh, if only people could get used to and comfortable to the fact that we're all problematic somehow. Um, exactly. Like, I, I'm not gonna chastise. I'm not gonna, uh, like, um, run after someone uh, because they did something wrong. Um, I'm just like, okay, you did some, you, you did this wrong. You, you hurt me. You hurt other people. That's on you to decide if you want to change. And I can, I, like, I can understand judgment if you ask people, if, if you, if you give people their time to change and they do not, it's like, okay, I'm disappointed. I'm disappointed in you. And that's a super valid emotion. That's a super valid thing that you can say to someone, but still that person sadly doesn't own you anything. Like that parasocial exactly. relationship that you have with that person, that person doesn't owe you anything back. And if they don't want to take responsibility with the position they have, that's on their own. You can criticize them. You can like, I don't know. like. But there are also some lines you still don't, uh, you shouldn't cross because that person mm -hmm. still doesn't owe you anything. And it's sad, anything. But, but it is what it is. Plus, it's true. Like you can you can be angry at them. That's fine. You can feel disappointed, mm -hmm. but it's still like they don't own you that. Like it's their decision to change. And if they change, that's great. But also if you're gonna be aggressive with that, obviously people are not gonna change. So <laughs> I don't know, like cancel yeah. culture, that's that's a, also a big interest of mine. <laughs> yep. You were discussing this really interesting um point uh about um, Franco and the effect of the dictatorship in Spain and how that affected the way that you came about with with Seal. And um, I'd like to ask you a little bit more about queer and trans politics in Spain. It's like I'm in the U.S. and we're seeing a wave of anti-trans legislation across the country. And it's just simply an incredibly dangerous time to be trans everywhere due to the global rise of uh, far right movements. Hmm. So, um what does this look like in Spain right now? And in particular, how has this made its way into DOS? So it's interesting because DOS is set in Europe, but uh, never touches Spain. Uh, never because it was always my intention to make the second, like the second season in Spain. Um, like... Like my idea was like I'm gonna I'm gonna hook people with the Europe thing and then I'm gonna bring them to my territory. <laughs> so so um, uh, Spain situation is gonna be a big thing in second season uh, at least uh, in the background. But nowadays uh, we also have seen this far right uh, 
um, rise. We have actually a political party, and I'm really sad about this, in, co- mm-hmm. in Parliament, in the Senate, in everywhere, uh, who are basically denying... Um, and it's sad because I live in Madrid, and Madrid has been conservative um, for almost all my life, uh, mm-hmm. except four years in the um, in the ayuntamiento, uh, because we have ayuntamiento and community, um, mm-hmm. and we like we four six years ago or something like that or five years ago we had four years of a breather. <laughs> Uh, which were amazing, <laughs> but then we went back to boom again, conservative, and and I think it, they started in ninety six or ninety eight, and I'm from ninety four. So like that's all I've known all my life in my community. Uh, yeah, yeah. Um, so and they are nowadays working hand in hand with this far right party, uh, political party. So how it's been? We've seen a rise in homophobic, transphobic um, um, violence, um, mm-hmm. like to a point where um, I think it was June um, and trigger warning um, um, murder, trigger warning murder. Yeah. Uh, there was a young man uh, murdered on the street by a mob uh, in Galicia uh, in Galicia this summer. And mm-hmm. media refused to say it had been an homophobic murder when uh, witnesses said that they killed him, uh, like um, yelling maricón. Yeah. So that's like, like if there's not something homophobic at that, I would like to, like, there's nothing I have homophobic questions. at that. <laughs> exactly, exactly. Um but that's like the the biggest thing, obviously, because that that's really dangerous and that's really uh, that's really grave. But um, there are also a lot of things that have been happening, like a lot of trans people attacked, a lot of uh, gay people and and women and everyone. Like the situation is 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 tense. It's pretty tense yeah. from from. Uh, like in my community, from a political uh, stand, they're also trying to cut. They, they cut fundings. They cut um, yeah. any kind of research that, that you have. They they want to push back in curriculum about you know sexual education and 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 trans wow. people and queer people and and yeah, like the last thing they're they're doing in my community is super fun because now conservatives and this far right are going full like, but we shouldn't divide people like why is there a need of a collective and a community, and I'm just like, oh my God, this is like the oldest trick in the book. Like you're really trying to to avoid that we get organized, and we are already organized. This is not gonna work. We're like, we're not like wow. this. Yeah, like I'm sorry to tell you, sweetie, this, but Franco is dead and has yeah. been dead for a long time. Long Please. time. Don't don't try to 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 raise the dead. Never ends well, and and we're gonna retaliate. <laughs> so that's yeah, the thing. A little bit. That's a thing. But yeah. it it has gone to a point, like, for example, also the last thing that happened was that the far right uh, neo-Nazis uh, had like a m- manifestation, like uh, like the, well, they, they walked through the gayest neighborhood in Madrid. So like that was like an open, like, the, yeah. And the worst part is that 
the, the town hall allow this because you have to ask for permission mm-hmm. to do these things. They allow this. And then people were just like, how are you allowing this? And then they were like, no, they're going to like, we're going to find them. You know, like they, they have to pay for this. Um, I think each person was fined uh, 600 euros. So like a lot of jokes lately had been like, it's really like, it's really cheap to to be like, <laughs> yeah, it's really cheap in Madrid to attack people because that's not much money. 600 euros. Yeah. Wait. Which is One it, second. It's it's not it's, that. Yeah, it will be probably like seven hundred or I don't know. It's more or less in in dollars, but it's, it's not. It's, that. it's it's more in dollars because of the the euro. I oh. think the conversion rate. But no, I'm not. I'm wrong. Am I wrong? I don't know. But it's around. Like it. it, it yeah. It's, it's, it's around the same be, amount. Yeah. It's not going to so, be that much different. Exactly. So you can be outraged by the number. Jesus, that's it's literally like 700 US dollars for those who are curious at this point in time. Yeah. Wow. Uh, That's yep. Great. So it's like and you don't want me to talk about trans murderers. (laughs) Yeah. Like at some point it's going to be my question. Exactly. Exactly. It's like um, like the world keeps threatening people like us. And you don't know there's any kind of person who will go this way. Like, this is the easiest way. <laughs> like, yep. that's, like, if you, you're going to get me, like, if you're going to put me on the edge of society, I'm going to act like I'm in the edge of society. Like, you have no morals Correct. with me? Okay, no morals for me. <laughs> yeah. Like, I don't know what you expected. Exactly. Right, like, it's, it's this long history of uh, they have demonstrated, you know, that uh, these people demonstrating absolutely no regard for human life, right? Mm. And then expecting people to continue to just be walked all over, exactly, and just be oh, just be patient, right? Just yeah. wait, you'll 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 get your rights. Just wait. Uh, uh, excuse me. <laughs> <laughs> Have you looked at the year? <laughs> There's going to be a point where I'm going to go out to like a demonstration or anything. And I'm just going to buy a shirt that's going to say Magneto was right because that's the point. Well, I've been mm-hmm. feeling like that since since I went into X-Men. But it's like, I'm sorry, we're trying to do the Xavier thing. It's not working. We have the other way. <laughs> we can go the not easy working, way. <laughs> we can go the easy way. We can go the hard way. You're not really giving as much space. Oh. <laughs> Or option. Um, uh, thank you for, for letting us know what it, what it looks like in Spain. I just really wanted to, to highlight the fact that this, this stuff, right? Hmm. This anti-trans, anti-queer um, ideals, I guess, uh, um, or thinking, it looks very much the same. Yes. Like, it looks the same everywhere. Right. The things that you were talking about, about rolling back uh, what you were what you're teaching in school. Right. Our problems here with all kinds Mm. of things (laughs) regarding that. Um, Right. Um, These um, the the rise in violence, um, the the fact that media will not indicate that it's a hate crime. um, Mm. Like this is I, I just felt it was very important to 
to the context surrounding dos, right? That I highlight, like, this is the experience right now in Spain. It's it's, it's not just the U.S. Like, I I feel like, um, I feel free to hop in and and comment on this because I feel like you probably have a lot of opinion on this, but um, podcasting suffers from the Americanization of the internet, right? Yes. Where everything is super centralized in the U.S. Yeah, it's either U.S. or U.K. You can choose. Uh Yeah, have fun. You've got two choices. Congrats, (laughs) colonizers. You did it again. Um, And, uh, yeah, and I just, I thought, and, and like, not to say that, like, Spain, I mean, it's Spain, but it's important to recognize that, like, this is happening everywhere. It's happening here, and it's happening in Canada. It's happening across Europe, and it's happening Mm. in Latin America and South America. Like, it's, this is not just the U.S. So when we talk about the rise of anti-trans legislation in the U.S., yes, we need to talk about the rise of anti-trans legislation in the U.S. But one of the reasons why it is so emboldened here is because it is finding all of this support and Mm. all of this concurrent rise in other countries, right? And after the pandemic is getting worse and it will get a little bit worse because after a change like that, people Mm -hmm. won't want safety, want um, yeah. easy, easy answers. They need things to be stable and queer people and LGBTQ uh, people. And, and not only that, but also like right. all the intersectionalities of like mm-hmm. immigrant people, people of color, um, we are a threat to, to the norm. Uh, so yep. they're trying, like they need easy answers. So they're going to push us back. Mm-hmm. Absolutely, and that's that's what we're seeing. Like, like there's no room for us anymore. We 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 could have a little bit of things, and it's yeah. like, oh, that's not enough for you. No, thanks. I I want you. I want like human rights. Is that too much to ask? You know, uh, what's it that? Looks like, um, yeah, it looks like it's sounds, too much. Sounds fake. Um, yeah. <laughs> sorry, y'all. Black humor is how I cope. Otherwise, you cry. Um, <laughs> So let's um, let's actually shift here since we're talking about the Americanization of podcasts. I want to talk about bilingual podcasts for a minute. Yeah. Yeah. So um, those um, most of our most of our audience at this point is probably aware of my loud and very stringent call for supporting fiction podcasts in languages other than English. And specifically also not just ones produced like those that has episodes in English and episodes in Spanish, but also ones produced maybe where we're like the languages are blended in every episode and it's like a, a like a bilingual a bilingual podcast like within itself right has code switching or podcasts that are actually just released in another language and maybe you don't speak that language but that's okay cuz maybe someone you know does hmm. maybe someone you don't know but who follows you on the internet does maybe you should just be like hey i found this no idea i can't i don't know this language but it exists look at it it's cool right like um Doing that kind of thing. So mm. what is important to you about producing dos in both Spanish and English? Let's start there. It was, first of all, uh, at first I really, like, I tried to think just one language to do it. But uh, and I thought, like, seal comes from this part of my Spanish history, you know, um, it's the result of generational trauma. So um, I, it felt important to me that 
uh, this show was in Spanish, but I also have a lot of friends in the Netherlands and outside of Spain. And I was like, but I will actually really want people to listen to this because eventually I'm going get to get them to Spain. Um, and because I know um, more people will listen if I make it in English because more people, uh, like, they obviously, like, the outro drama uh, scene is mainly in English. So mm -hmm. that's also going to allow more accessibility to the story. But I didn't want to um, just do it in, in English because it was important for me to do it in Spanish because I was just like, I cannot find anything like this in Spanish. So mm -hmm. I have to do it in Spanish. So that, that was kind of my thinking. Like I needed, like there was a need to make it in Spanish because I couldn't see any kind of contact like that. And I was tired of always going to... Um, to North American uh, and British uh, um, content. Like for a long time, I'm, I'm like when I was young, I used to refuse a lot um, anything Spanish. Like. Yo también. Yo también. Mm -hmm. <laughs> <laughs> like, like even, even something as silly as sports, I will never go with the Spanish guy, you know, like for example, like tennis, I was, I was never with, with Nadal. I was always with Federer in formula one. I like Raikkonen, uh, never alone. <laughs> so I don't know, it was as, as, as silly as that, you know, in football. Um, so I, I, I rejected that part of me a lot. And mm -hmm. in the last years I've been, uh, reconnecting. And, and seeing like there's a lot of amazing stuff that we do in Spain. I love our culture. I love the things we do. We do um, and how we are and how social we are and the way we see the world. Um, so that's important for me. And and it was just like. I know there's a lot of people like I had friends and even people that I didn't know, but I knew there were there were some people that would be interested in this in Spanish. Um, and then again, I thought, well, also like Spanish is also a really big spoken language. So it's not a, a, like a silly thing to, to, to think. Um, so it just make both that uh, ended up in me doing shorter episodes, at least for mm -hmm. the first season. The idea is the second season is going to have less episodes, but longer ones. Um, I'm going to go the other way around. Um, but but yeah, I was I was just like, well, may as well write in the two languages. It's really interesting because some things change. Obviously, I have way more creative freedom when it comes to insults and <laughs> in Spanish. Yeah, because I'm sorry, <laughs> there's there's no color. There's no, no. color. It's you so cannot flat. compare. Like I was actually, like, I was telling my coworkers yesterday that the funniest thing you can do in Spanish is watch the Cardassians, because the Cardassians dubbed, at least in Spain's Spanish, it's it's hilarious. Like it's hilarious. <laughs> like they will say something really simple or just say fuck in English, and they translate it to a whole other level of thing in Spanish. <laughs> so it's just so much fun. You know, um, and yeah, for example, like I, I, I have this feeling that that deck sounds in Spanish more macarra, like more of a bad boy in mm -hmm. Spanish than it does in English. In English, all my scripts are always like 
a little bit what, what, I, what I say, what, what I call pedantic, like poetically pedantic, which is mm -hmm. obviously a big influence from Hannibal. Um, a kiss for Brian Fuller. I love you. Um, <laughs> but that's quite my style in English. In Spanish, I'm a bit more like, like I like to have fun. So uh, I had to, to do a little bit more of a, like I had to equilibrate that because sometimes that came out as really, 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 um, it's, it's, it's not, I think there's no traveling, so, but like Macarra, like it's just like a little bit of a punk. You're not saying. I think like a, a little bit punk. Punk, yeah, punk might be like, yeah. yeah, like punk bad boy, like, like aggressive, but in a. There, there's, Man, there's translating no... words is hard. <laughs> yeah, it is. <laughs> I'm a linguist. <laughs> so overall, it, it was important for me to to make it bilingual, and I and I was like, I also don't see much of this, so may as well just just do it. So what do you want to see more of in in the fiction space in podcasting in terms of of language in the future? And uh, if if you have thought about this, like, how do you think we can help make that happen? Um, for example, what Ocenta stories do is pretty cool. Like, I really, really love it because it allows for a lot of accessibility. It's also super fun when you want to learn a language. Which is also another thing that it's it's quite important, you know. Um, I would yeah. love to see. Can you uh, just sorry? Can you just quickly explain um, Ochenta stories for anybody who doesn't know what it is? Okay, so it's a podcast where like they do kind of short stories and they translated the same stories in several languages, like in Spanish, in French, in Chinese, in Portuguese. I don't know, like it. It depends because they have different seasons and different contents. Uh, but at least I think they translate to, to at least three different languages, which is amazing. Mm -hmm. And and I think that's super fun. I would probably love a lot to listen to something from Asia, or uh, to be honest, because I'm I'm a big um, I don't know. I really like some cultures like. You know, I, I, I'm obviously a weeaboo, so like an otaku, so that's that's a thing. But I would love to, to <laughs> I don't know, to listen to a podcast that is both in Japanese and English, or mm -hmm. or or I in Hindi and and in in in, in English, or something like that. You know, like or in Russian and English, but but mostly because I think the English part is useful to reach out, and then I I have like I've heard a lot of people who listen to those who even don't speak Spanish and told me, uh, because I knew what was happening, I listened to it in Spanish, uh, like um, after I, I listened to it in English, because I just wanted to see what was different, because some things are different. Uh, yep. The voice acting is different. I always say, Maori, mm -hmm. Maori and I uh, work way better in English, but for example, uh, Luke and Matt, uh, who are Natura Ambre, work way better uh, in Spanish. So it's really funny to see those changes. Like, bre in Spanish is the best. Um, <laughs> but but don't listen to the first episodes in Spanish because I'm not that good as a voice actor and I prefer myself in English. But... <laughs> <laughs> it's fine. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's just like... Like, um, the voice acting is different and I... I, I 
developed a better ear for it in English because that's all that I had. Um, yep. So obviously my voice acting is different in both languages. But I would really love to see those kinds of, of mixed things, you know, like you have the same content, but in two or three languages. Um, so that that's something that I'm really looking forward. I, I hope like yeah. more people uh, see those and, and think, I want to do this and do, just do it. Yeah, I would love that. That would be amazing. <laughs> Thank you so much for coming on Radio Drama Revival. We really, I really loved talking with you about Dos and all of the different pieces that went into creating Deck and Seal and all of the other characters that I'm sure we will hear more from. Yes. Um, <laughs> yeah. If you liked what you heard, you can support Dos After You at ko-fi dot com slash dos after you you can follow them for updates on twitter at dos after you that's d-o-s-a-f-t-e-r-y-o-u radio drama revival runs on cuddles with our cats and dogs and the random twenty dollar bill we found in our pants pocket after we did laundry if you'd like to help keep us afloat and featuring new diverse unique fiction podcasts and their creators you can support us on Patreon at patreon.com slash radiodramarevival. And now we bring you our moment of will. We love the classics. Did you miss me? I missed you. I don't know you. Maybe I do. Do I know you? Hi. <laughs> It's been a while. For this moment of will, I want to recommend Arden, a true crime parody, sort of, Shakespeare retelling, sort of. Now, both seasons one and two are a continuous story, but season one is kind of a serial take on Romeo and Juliet. Season two is a more S-Town take on Hamlet. Now, the reason I'm recommending this today is because of the themes of queerness, transness, gender, mental health uh, that weave in and out of Arden. That's why I hesitated when calling it a parody. It's a parody, yes. It also works as a great fake fictional true crime, and it also works as just a beautiful character study of some really fascinating characters, some fascinating takes on Shakespeare characters from a team that I think is just absolutely brilliant. If you haven't listened to Arden yet, now is a great time. That's Arden, A-R-D-E-N. And I hope you're having an okay time and I hope you're staying afloat. Okay, bye! That means it's time for the credits. This episode was recorded in the unceded territory of the Kalapuya people, the Klutskani Indian tribe, the Kaulitz Indian tribe, and the Atfalati tribe. Colonizers named this place Beaverton, Oregon. If you are looking for ways to support or donate to Native communities, the Quileute are fundraising to move their at-risk community to higher ground and out of the tsunami zone so that their culture and heritage can thrive for generations to come. Their first objective is to move the Quileute Tribal School. 
which is currently located right next to the beach, endangering the lives of children and the future of the Quileute tribe. You can learn more and donate at mthg.org. The link is in our episode description. Our theme music is Reunion of the Space Ducks by the band Kylo Kaz. You can find their music on Free Music Archive. Our audio producer is Will Williams. Our marketing manager and line producer is Ann Baird. Our researcher is Heather Cohen. Our submissions editor is Rashika Rao. Our associate marketing manager is Julian Schrager. Our transcriptionist is Katie Yeomans. Our audio consultant is Eli Hamada McElveen. Our associate producer is Sean Howard. Our executive producers are Fred Greenhouse and David Reinstrom. Our mascot is Ticker Tape, the goat. I'm your host, Elena Fernandez Collins. This has been Radio Drama Revival. All storytellers, welcome. <laughs>